I want you to turn to a couple of verses of scripture with me in the Bible, and I'm just going to speak for a few moments in uh, Nehemiah chapter number eight, verses 10 through 12. And uh, then also we are, are going to look in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter five and uh, verse number 18. And uh, in Nehemiah chapter number eight, just to give you a, a little context, if you're unaware with where this passage fits in biblical history. This uh, has to do with after the southern kingdom of Judah had gone into Babylonian captivity and many of these people had lived their entire lives separated from the temple, separated from worshiping Jehovah freely. And now because of God's promises that he gave to Judah, promises and prophecies, they were able to come back from Babylonian captivity back into the promised land. And when they got back into the promised land, Nehemiah led in rebuilding the walls cast to, to get rid of the shame for the broken down walls with overgrown weeds and everything to restore not just a building and not just a city and not just a wall, but to restore people's confidence in their God, Jehovah. Also, Ezra put together the words of the law. Obviously, they were written many years before, but many people in the house had never heard the word of God read. Can you imagine? Hebrew people, God's chosen people, but because they were in captivity, they never heard the word of God. So in this passage of scripture, we have Ezra standing before the people, the uh, priests reading the law, and then while the law is being read, to believers and covenant people who have never heard it before, they start to cry and weep and get discouraged and depressed. Right in the middle of the reading of the word. And then in verse 10, the Bible says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. So the Levites stilled all the people. Said, no more mourning, no more crying, no more belly aching, no more complaining. Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions, which meant they sent food to those that were poor or didn't have any, and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. They got, everybody say they got it. They got it. Amen. And then in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18, the Bible says... And be not drunk with wine, where is, wherein is excess. Verse 18. But be filled with the Spirit. Can I get an amen? Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it goes on to say in verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Everybody say, this is an inside job. 
inside job. Don't be drunk with wine, where is an excess. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is about your mindset. This is about your attitude. This is about your approach to life. Amen. And for just a few moments, I want to speak on this subject. You can't have my joy. You can't have my joy. You can't have my joy. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, your promises, and your power. And our prayer today is that in the next few moments, you would enable us uh, to receive your word and be impacted by it and go out and live according to it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody shout amen. 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 God bless you, and you may be seated. One of the most damaging things in our culture and society today is addiction. Addiction destroys people's future. Addiction has the power to destroy people's brain cells. Addiction has the power to destroy families. Addiction has the power to rip somebody's destiny from them. Whether it's a chemical addiction, whether it's a sex addiction, whatever it is that a person finds themselves under the authority and the power of, it begins to control and direct their lives. And let me tell you something right now. You don't want addiction in the driver's seat of your life because you don't want in where you're going to end up. Can I get an amen from somebody? Addiction has power to control because when people mess with something that is addictive, they start out just exploring, but very soon they're hooked. They're stuck and they can't break free from it. Now, one time, I told this story many years ago. One time I went fishing and I caught a hobo. I was trying to get your attention so you'll listen to me instead of falling. I know it's a little warm in here. Some of you falling asleep. I caught a hobo. Here's what happened. I went fishing with the pastor and uh, we were uh, up in, in Big Bear on the lake and we were fishing from the boat. So we would cast our lines over. And uh, at the same time, we would fish along close to the bank on a boat. And there was some people fishing along the bank as well. And uh, the inevitable happened. And I cast and my line went right over the line of somebody that was fishing from the, the shore. And uh, that was great because it's terrible because it's going to get tangled up and, uh, you know, lose a fishing rod, all of that. And uh, what, what actually happened is the rod was set and it ended up pulling the, the, the fishing rod right into the water. So while it was, you had this crossing of wires, as I recall the story, uh, we were trying to figure out what to do. And there was a guy on the bank who looked like a hobo he had uh, the, just the look the big long beard and and he hollers out I'll get it I'll get it I'll get it and so he reaches out over where the line was crossed and where the hook was on the line and he reached and he begins to fiddle with the hook to try to release it from the other line and so he got it done but the hook got in his finger 
and uh, as the boat, the boat was pulling away, actually, the, uh, now that I remember, the rod did not go in the water. It was about to go in the water. It was still in the boat, and, but it was not released. And so as the boat was drifting away, his finger was caught, and he was at the edge of the water and starting to do this, going, blankety, blank, blank, blank. <laughs> Fill in the blank. I, what, that's not what he said. His finger was caught, and uh, so finally he got it off, and I turned to Pastor Stratton, and I said, can you believe I caught a profane hobo on my fishing trip? He got hooked, and he couldn't get released. And with addiction, what uh, people that study it have learned is that oftentimes it becomes self-medication. There's pain there's hurt, there's depression that a person doesn't want to face and they find that it's easier to try to get the comfort that they need to not be faced with the reality of their situation and the pain associated with it by medicating themselves either with alcohol or narcotics or some of these other things that people get addicted to. And so when they come off the influence of it, when the effects of it are gone, the pain's still there. The depression is still there. The regret is still there. And rather than face the regret and deal with the pain, they medicate again. And they find themselves hooked on something that when their, their, their mind is sober, they realize this is making a mess of my life. But I'm hooked now. And I can't seem to get free. I can't seem to get liberated from it. Now, I think it's interesting that in the Word of God, in the passage of Scripture that we read today, it drew a parallel or made a connection between being filled with the Holy Ghost and being drunk. Made a connection. Well, that connection appears in Scripture other times. When the Holy Ghost was first poured out in the book of Acts... The onlookers saw the people probably with their tears and big smiles and kind of out of control a little bit as the Spirit of God was upon them. You know how people get the Holy Ghost, start loving all over each other. I love you so much, man. I love you. And uh, they're looking on from the outside and trying to figure out what's going on. And some of them said, these people are drunk. And the Apostle Peter said, They're not drunk like you think that they are. But this is what was prophesied or promised by the prophet Joel many, many years ago where God said that he was going to pour out uh, his spirit uh, upon all flesh. Now, I think it's more than just the physical appearance of someone who gets drunk on the spirit and the appearance of somebody that's drunk uh, on alcohol. I believe there's an additional connection as well. And that is that the Holy Spirit uh, is our comforter. The Bible says that it would be our comforter. And whenever we feel pain, whenever we feel hurt, whenever we're discouraged or depressed, the best thing that we can do is to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it's good for what ails you. Amen. It makes a difference in your life. It can transform your situation. And so here's what I want to tell you today. Some of us need to learn how to self-medicate with the Holy Ghost. 
Some of us need to learn how to use the spirit when we start to get discouraged, when we start to feel the pain, when we begin to feel the regret, when we're frustrated with our situation that we're in right then. And we're so used to leaning on whatever it was that would medicate our pain and bring comfort. The Bible says don't do that, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit and learn also, amen, learn also, it says, to sing songs and spiritual psalms in your heart, giving praise to the Lord in your heart. So whenever it is, amen, that you feel the pain, whenever it is, when you feel the regret, whenever it is that you begin to feel the pressure and the anxiety and all the trigger points that would push you to self-medicate somewhere along the way, you've got to learn to make a conscious decision. Oh, yeah. Some people think the joy of the Lord is just whenever you feel it, right? Here comes the joy of the Lord because they're singing my favorite black gospel song. And my, my leg is shaking and, and they're playing the Hammond organ and I just feel it. I feel, I feel the joy of the Lord. And sometimes it's uh, uh, when something good happens, right? You feel the joy of the Lord when you get a raise on the job. You get a raise on the job and you're like, you get stammering lips. <sighs> Praise God. I feel the joy of the Lord falling fresh on me. Your kids uh, graduate the top of the class and you're like, thank you, Jesus. And we know how to let the joy flow when good things are happening. But this passage of scripture we read said it's time to learn how to let the joy flow when good things aren't happening. And when you don't feel good and when you're not happy and when your circumstances aren't dictating joy, you dictate joy to your circumstances and you learn, hallelujah, to not turn to whatever it is that you turn to for comfort but learn to turn to the comforter amen and the power of the holy ghost and rather than rather than rather than rather than sitting around and waiting for god to move on you why don't you learn how to make a conscious choice amen that i'm not going to be depressed i'm not going to be discouraged i'm not going to be anxious but i'm going to consciously make a choice amen sing unto the Lord even if I can't do it you're sitting at work you can't start singing right some of you can depending on where you work if you're out on the roof putting shingles on go for it man what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood but you're sitting at the office you probably might ought to learn how to do it in your heart amen Begin to think about the goodness of Jesus. Uh, begin to sing spiritual songs uh, in your heart. Amen. You don't even have to use your mouth. You don't even have to use your voice. Uh, but in your heart, uh, you can begin to think of the goodness uh, of Jesus. Uh, this is about controlling those emotions. Uh, this is about bringing into captivity these thoughts. Uh, this is about not allowing emotions and not allowing circumstances to dictate how you feel, but rather to give praise to God. Amen. When you feel like it and give praise to God when you don't feel like it. Amen. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Now, I, I looked up uh, joy 
in the Old Testament. One passage caught my attention, and that, that passage is uh, in the book of, of 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 25. Uh, when you read 2 Chronicles chapter 30, interesting passage of scripture because of the time frame. Now, those of you that have gone through search for truth, you relate to this quickly. Those of you that don't, let me give you a two-minute Bible study right here, okay? So, this passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 30 is about the leadership of King Hezekiah in Judah. Judah is the southern kingdom. It's where Jerusalem is. The kingdom has been divided for many years because Rehoboam listened to the young guys instead of the elders and made a decision that caused the 10 tribes of Israel in the north to rebel against the authority of the tribe of Judah and the city of Jerusalem. So there has been since that time a real series of ups and downs, a lot of downs because what's happened particularly in Israel and even in Judah to a certain degree, there have been uh, an influx of idolatry. Anybody know what idolatry is? Idolatry is what? Worshiping idols, worshiping false gods. Not pursuing the true God, but pursuing lesser gods with a small g. You know, there's only one God. But gods with a small g, things that people live their lives for. And so... When you look at Judah and you look at Israel, you see there are many good, many bad kings and queens and a few good ones. And the good ones have this same tendency, and that is to call the people back to worshiping Jehovah. New Test, a, 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 a modern vernacular term we use is revival. To revive them and bring them back to worshiping Jehovah. Now, in this passage, Hezekiah, Hezekiah is a good king. Okay, mark that down. You understand? Hezekiah, good king. Hezekiah, after a succession of bad kings in the southern kingdom of Judah, we have a good king. Is this all right? Okay. Sunday, Sunday crowd, can you handle this? Okay. So check it off. Hezekiah's good king. Worships Jehovah, wants to do away with idolatry because he understands that the law said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Uh, thou shalt not make any graven images. So he sends out a letter in chapter 30 up to the rebellious uh, 10 tribes of the north and, say, and says, we're going to reinstitute observing the Passover. The Passover is the most significant and important Jewish festival, Hebrew festival. We're going to reinstitute that, and we invite you guys to come up and join us because we're going to worship Jehovah again. We're going to restore true worship of Jehovah. So he invites them up. Most of them, when the invitation comes, they laugh it off and say, we have no interest in worshiping Jehovah. We have our gods, Baal, Ashtaroth, these false gods that we worship. These are generations later, children of Abraham, living in the northern kingdom, worshiping false idols. And then so they uh, uh, finally, there's a few that come. They establish the Passover and they have it there in the city of Jerusalem, one of the first acts of Hezekiah as king. And in verse number 25, it says, and all the congregation of Judah with the priests and the Levites and all the congregation that came out of Israel and the strangers that came out of the land of Israel and that dwelt in Judah, all of them rejoiced. 
all of them, the ones that came down from Israel, those that dwelt in Jerusalem, all of them rejoiced. So there was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, the son of King, uh, King of Israel, there was not the like in Jerusalem. They had a massive celebration. They had a massive time of rejoicing. And there was this thing called joy like they had never seen before. Now, let me tell you, when I talk about joy, I'm not talking about just having a positive mental attitude. But we're talking about something biblical because the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink. It's not that you eat the right things and avoid bacon or crawfish or all of these things and only eat what's appropriate to the Jewish dietary law. No, New Testament. Listen, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness has to do with your morality. Peace and joy has to do with your emotions. Let me drop the mic right now. When you have the Holy Ghost, and when you're full of the Holy Ghost, it impacts your emotions. It impacts how you feel. Peace is the opposite of anxiety. And joy would be the opposite of grief or sadness. The Bible says the kingdom of God is about being morally right but it's also about having peace and about having joy in the holy ghost so let me just say this right now it's not god's will for you to be spirit-filled and sad it's not god's will for you to be spirit-filled and anxious it's not god's will for you to be spirit-filled and fearful but it happens it does happen you know why because we allow our emotions to carry us around. Now, here's another thing that I want you to consider is when you're not full of the Holy Ghost, you might be a Christian, but you're subject to the ebb and flow of life. And if you're not careful, you'll begin to feel the pull of this world, right? As you can get hooked on this world, the pleasures and sin for a season, and in this passage that we read in, in Chronicles, uh, in that passage, as you study it, you find that they got pulled away from their devotion and commitment to Jehovah. They got pulled away into idolatry. How can that happen when your mom and dad were believers? How can that happen when you had solid convictions taught to you when you're little? How do you get pulled away? because you don't understand the power of the joy of the Lord. And when you don't have the joy of the Lord, the things of the world start looking pretty appealing. When the things of God become ritual, become routine, become obligation, then the lure of the world becomes more and more irresistible. Can I, I'm talking plain to you right now. Because don't tell me, don't, I, I heard people say before, uh, out in the world, there's nothing out there, there's no good times. And then I, I, I walk by a club and I see people in their club and, and you know what, they look like they're having fun. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they're, they're, they're laughing, high-fiving, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. There's got to be some pleasure out there because the Bible says there is. There is pleasure in sin for a season. And in the story we read in our text... The people began to associate the things of God 
with a drudgery, with something negative, with something that wasn't joyful. And God said, hold it up, hold it up now. Wait, 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 wait. This is inappropriate. I want you guys, this is a holy day. I want you guys to have a celebration. You know why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you associate the things of God with a drudgery, with an obligation, with going through the motions, then you will not have the ability to resist the allure of sin that will draw you into destruction. Amen. Hey, guess what? When we sin, when we sin, most of us, if we'll get honest with ourselves, we realize that God's law is not to keep something from us that's going to bless us or, or, or make us happy. The laws of God are to protect us from damage we're going to do to ourselves and our relationships and our destiny. But we fall prey to it anyway from time to time. And then when we repent, there's something in us that says, God, I know you love me. I know you have my best interest at heart. I know that these rules and laws in your word, I know that your righteousness is about me being blessed and about my future being blessed and about my family not being destroyed. Amen? But one of the biggest ways that the enemy can get into your life is when church and the things of God become a drudgery. When it just becomes a routine. When you just are slogging. Now, here's where the rubber meets the, meets the road. Here's the, here's the real life application. When you're serving God, sometimes you get tired. Sometimes you get worried. Sometimes you get your feelings hurt. Uh-huh. Sometimes you go through something that you didn't want to go through. You pray and your prayers aren't answered the way you had hoped that they would be answered. And even when you're living for God, you still experience emotional upheaval. Are, are you guys still whipping? Does this happen to anybody else? They're like, Pastor Brown got some emotional problem. He's a Christian. He, he acting like he up one day and down the next and feeling discouraged and then excited. What's wrong with our pastor? Let's go somewhere else. Amen. I'm just being real. I wish you guys would be real. You have ups and downs, right? Because we're human beings. Amen. We got, we got chemicals flowing through our brains. We got issues we're dealing with. We got things happening at home. We got things happening at work. We got things happening at church. And if we're not careful, the things of God will become another thing on the list that we have to do. And we come because we're faithful. We come because we know it's right. We come because we know we need to, but we just put it on the autopilot and we're like, okay, got to go to church today. Come on, kids, put your clothes on. Come on, throw it, throw an egg McMuffin at them. Hope it hits their mouth. Let's get, let's roll over to the house of the Lord and uh, come on, sit down and you're growling at each other and screaming on the way to church. Come on now, anybody talking about the real world and got to stop the car twice and spank bottoms on the way to church. And you get to church and you're like, I barely made it. Amen. 
pastor, you better have a good one today. And they better sing the house down because I need to be encouraged. Amen. Amen. We go through the emotional upheaval up and down. You need to understand that through your emotions, the enemy can get an inroad. And you need to understand that it's the will of God for you to learn when you feel the negative, when you feel the discouragement, when you feel the frailty in your spirit, when you feel the emotional down, is to do what the Bible says. Uh, yeah. Encourage yourself by singing songs and psalms and making melodies in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Making melodies in your heart. Giving praise to the Lord in the middle of your day, in the middle of what you're going through, and in the middle of what you're facing. Understanding this, that it's not about just controlling my brain. That it's not about just trying to mind over matter things, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't think it's a coincidence that the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We having another prayer meeting? Awesome. Another time to gather together with my brothers and encourage them and my sisters and encourage them. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord. Let me tell you, moms and dads, uh, hallelujah. You want your kids to associate the joy of the Lord when you come to the house of the Lord. Hey, we're going to go to worship God together. There's people in the world that can't worship. They can't gather together and worship the Lord. But we have liberty and freedom in our country to praise the King of Kings and to worship the Lord of Lords. Hey, kids, we're going to church. Hey, we're going to rejoice in the Lord together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm talking about learning how to praise the Lord in the storm, learning how to praise the Lord in the difficulty. And even if you can't come to church and even if you can't get together with your brothers and sisters, because uh, maybe we don't have church on that day when you need it. Amen. Maybe, maybe you need Sunday on Thursday. Hey, it's Thursday, but boy, I need some Sunday right now. Well, you don't have to wait till Sunday to get some Sunday. You can sing praises and make melodies uh, in your heart. And when you're feeling the urge for comfort, I need some comfort. I need some of the old wine. I need something that's going to make me feel good. I need something that's going to take the edge off this pain. I need something that's going to take the hurt away. Instead of reaching for wine, the Bible says, uh, be filled with the Holy Ghost uh, and begin to sing songs. Uh, begin to praise the Lord. Begin to worship him into your breath, understanding that if I can get the joy bubbling in my spirit, uh, then my strength's going to come back. Uh, if I can get the joy of the Lord in my heart, uh, then whatever it is that's trying to take me down is not going to be strong enough uh, to handle me for the joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on. I want you to help me praise him right now. Can you stand to your feet? Can you stand to your feet and give worship and praise to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords? Come on now. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of thanksgiving.
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now let me let me let me just make this plain right now. You can keep standing because I'm about done. Good news, huh? We're getting ready to eat some spaghetti and chicken. If that don't make you happy. The word joy, translated from the Hebrew word gil, G-I-L, which means to jump and spin. Joy, that's what rejoice means, to jump and spin. Now, maybe not necessarily like literally, but on the inside, you jump and spin. Okay? Jump and spin. That's what joy, I'm not making this up. I mean, it would be pretty crazy to make something like that up. It's, it's legit. It's true. Amen. The joy, joy is gill. Jump, spin. That's something you do. Amen. Somebody said one time, it's impossible to jump on a trampoline without smiling. <laughs> That's true, right? You ever see anybody on trampoline? You just got to smile. It impacts your mood. Bring kids into my house from all walks of life on 3659 Mountain View Avenue. They're quiet. They're shy, whatnot. Throw them on the trampoline. Next thing you know, they're laughing, screaming, playing, having a good time. Why? Because what they're doing changes how they feel. And the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, if you didn't get it the first time, again, I say, that's from the same root word. Do something that will impact your mood. That's what the Bible's saying when it says, make melodies in your heart. And some of you are so good at so good at throwing a pity party. You're good. Y'all good. Y'all some good people when it comes to throwing a pity party. It's natural. It's human tendency. It's the flesh. And it gives an open door to the enemy. The Bible says cut out the pity party and have a real party. have a real party and whatever would put you in a mood to need comfort learn where your comfort comes from and learn to rejoice in the Lord rejoice is something you do that changes how you feel rejoice is something you do that changes how you feel now here, here's the application this is something you have to do when you leave church all right And we're going to rejoice together in just a moment. It's going to feel good. You're going to feel the goosebumps. You're going to feel the spirit. You're going to uh, feel the bumps of your brothers and sisters around you. You're going to rejoice together. But what we're talking about is what you're going to do at the house later. We're talking about Thursday practice. When you're feeling discouraged. And when you're feeling the pull of what used to medicate you. You say, I'm not falling to that again, but I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to make melody in my heart. I'm going to leap and spin because I realize that I got some strength there that the world doesn't know of that will destroy the effort of the enemy. So, on this beautiful summer day, before we have chicken and spaghetti, you need to burn some calories first. So I want you to come up to the front right now. Come on and join me right now because we're going to praise the Lord together for a few moments before we leave. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. All right, all right. Come on, come on, come on. Now, I've heard this before. I've heard people say, well, that's not real worship. That's not worship music. They're just trying to hype people up. It's emotionalism. Hyping people up through emotionalism. But the Bible tells me that I am to rejoice in the Lord always. And that doesn't have to do just with the beat of the music or that they're singing my favorite song, but because I realize that if I get happy in Jesus, I get strength that I can't get any other way. Bible says in one of our readings the last few weeks talks about people that have been feasting on their tears they've been eating their morning you talk about something that's going to make you sick feasting on tears feasting on discouragement feasting on despair but so for a few moments right now as we begin to worship the Lord I want you in your own way just to begin to rejoice now for some of you All you got to do is smile, and I'll know something's happening in you. Some of you feel like leaping. Some of you feel like rejoicing. Some of you feel like lifting up your voice like a trumpet and shouting unto the Lord. We're going to do it together right now, and I want you to leave here with strength and with joy. Shall you draw draw waters from the wells of salvation? Can we praise him right now? Are you ready to praise the Lord together? Let's praise him. Your light rose through my night. 